This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns247, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor it's game week. Are you ready? <laughs> I am. I'm definitely ready. Uh, the offseason has been really exciting, Chip, for Texas, but talking season ends now. We got to see it. We got to see the progress, um, on, you know, kind of spill over onto the field with the play when Texas kicks off on Saturday against Louisiana Monroe. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. And we're going to do, we're going to do the sexy thing. We're going to, we're going to get right into Quinn Ewers. We got to talk to him again, game week. And we, this is the, you know, now he's had some time to digest being named the starting quarterback. Sark named him the starter on August 19th. He told Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card after practice that day. And uh, Ewers has had a scrimmage. To, to lead this team through and then the final week of fall camp. Now he's in game week and, and Taylor, it's fascinating. First of all, the Quinn Ewers, everyone knows they only know really the Quinn Ewers who reclassified left South Lake Carroll early to go to Ohio state, collect some NIL money and then transfer to Texas. He's been no football playing headlines for for two seasons and um well all of last year i should say not since his junior year at south lake carroll when he played in that state championship game against austin westlake on saturday night at seven when texas takes on louisiana monroe it's going to be back about football for quinn ewers and the interesting thing is as we've gotten a chance to get to know him hear about him from sarkeesian from his teammates this guy is an interesting mix of unbelievable arm talent, uh, but a quiet country boy who loves to hunt, fish, play golf, according to his new Golffinity NIL deal. Uh, he's also like a spokesman for professional bull riding, which is fantastic. And Wrangler. And, huh? Wrangler too, right? Wrangler. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this guy, thank God he came back to Texas. Right. I mean, it doesn't have quite the same resonance repping the you know, professional bull riding association up there in Columbus, Ohio. But uh, no offense to Columbus, it's probably got a lot of rodeo fans up there. But 
I mean, the teammates all say he's calm, cool, collected. They can't really read him all the time. But Bijan Robinson says he doesn't ever have negative energy. He doesn't ever, you know, give off that negativity even after a mistake, an interception, whatever. He just goes over to the sideline, gets coached up, goes right back out there and keeps making those throws. And Steve Sarkeesian, I asked him, I said, you know, how do you know if the game has slowed down for him? And he's like, yeah, he's not really a wear it all on his sleeve kind of guy. I like watch to see the confidence and the decisiveness of his throws and, and how he interacts with his teammates. Remember how Sarkeesian has been talking about body language all fall camp. Mm -hmm. This is why. Right. The kid yeah. doesn't say anything. Right. Well, and, and I mean, one thing you have to think about, Chip, when we go back, and I know we've mentioned this time and again, ever since we had Riley Dodge, the South Lake Carroll head coach on our podcast, everything we're hearing right now from, or not even just right now, throughout the offseason from Steve Sarkeesian, from the players that are in the locker room with Quinn Ewers has totally lined up with what Riley Dodge talked about, with how Riley Dodge said he is so even keeled and sometimes... I had to check myself because I was getting more fired up in in when adversity struck than he was. But the one thing I think that while you know he has not played a football or started a football game, as you had mentioned earlier, um, since his junior year of high school. However, if you go back to how he performed at South Lake Carroll and how um, how just a, a solid player. I mean, he became the number one prospect in the country, you know, a perfect rating from a 24 seven sports composite. When you look at all of that, it's kind of like, okay, well he hasn't changed, you know, NIL hasn't changed him. Seems like he knows who he is. He's very grounded. It seems like in everything that we've heard about him. And then just in talking to him, he's not some bragging type of, Oh, you know, toot his own horn type of guy. He, it, he seems like everything that Riley Dodge and the players have said. And if, if he has the same success at the college level, then this is fantastic for Texas because he was very successful at South Lake Carroll. He, you know, started as, I think he started what, as a sophomore there. Yeah, and he had one of the best sophomore years in Texas high school football history, 4,000 exactly. yards passing 45 touchdowns, three interceptions. And, you know, sort of broke out in a in a in a win over powerhouse uh, Denton Geyer, in which they trailed fourteen nothing, and he ripped off like twenty nine unanswered points. Yeah, and and it's that if that can translate to the college game chip, then this is a fantastic sign for the future. Now, there's going to be growing pains. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian, if he didn't actually believe it, he wouldn't be saying that. You know, I don't think he's really an excusing type of guy. And I don't think that's an excuse in any way, shape or form. I think he's pretty real when he talks about um, a lot of things. Um, and that's one of them. And so there may be some growing pains, but that type of calm demeanor, while you may want to see a more raw, raw type of uh, leader from your quarterback. It obviously impacted in a positive way his teammates at South Lake Carroll when adversity struck and he was very even keeled. They, you know, it probably is kind of something that can wash over the team. And that's a good thing because if we saw, everybody saw what happened to Texas last year when adversity struck, it was like duck and cover and, oh no, here we go. Like those type of, those type of concerns. And it seems like he is the 
Quinn Ewers is the basically polar opposite of the type of you know personality and demeanor than what Texas had last year. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a really good thing. Because if 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 anything can be opposite of what happened last year, take it as a win. Chalk it up as a win. Yeah. Growing pains and all. Yeah, I mean, look, Steve Sarkeesian, we've said this. If you're a fan of the flagship podcast, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Where you been? <laughs> uh, but Steve Sarkeesian, it's now on him. He's betting on himself because there are those in the program who say Hudson Card had the better fall camp. Steve Sarkeesian is betting on the upside of Quinn Ewers. He's he's betting on that sophomore and junior from South Lake Carroll who, you know, as a sophomore, again, 45 touchdowns, three interceptions. And as a, as a junior comes back from double hernia surgery mid season to lead his team past nemesis Duncanville, who they hadn't beaten in recent years to the state championship game against Austin Westlake when they were not expected to get there. Now your senior year, South Lake Carroll would have been absolutely uh, favored to win the the 6a state championship we didn't we didn't get there because he reclassified and and went to ohio state but sarkeesian's betting on that guy evolving developing as a college player and it's fascinating um you know when we talked to yours i said has it slowed down for you he's like well it was a little fast in the spring and that's when we knew he was throwing some interceptions and he's thrown some interceptions even in late in fall camp but sarkeesian said look when, when you get to the 14th, 15th practice of fall camp, we have installed everything. And it's like your head is swimming. And you don't know what's getting called. You, we just yell out the play and the quarterback runs it. He said that will all change this week in game week. The, the script of plays will get narrowed down enormously to the plays that Sarkeesian and Ewers discuss as the plays Ewers is most comfortable running. And he's got Bijan Robinson and he's got Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington. And I can't wait to see these tight ends uh, for Texas. Jatavian Sanders, Sarkeesian says, has the best freaking hands on the team. <laughs> In other words, Ewers doesn't have to do it all himself. He's got guys. So I'm fascinated. I think everyone... Uh, this guy's must see TV. I mean, he's he's been like everything you'd want on e entertainment television from a off the field headlines perspective. He's he's intriguing. He's you know he's an enigma, mm -hmm. and he's done radical things like leave high school early to take nil money. You got all that. People have their own opinions on that stuff. We say slow down on that because that may not have all been his idea. But anyway, now we get down to the football and we'll see Taylor, because everybody's watching to see where this kid is knowing that number one, Alabama's rolling into town uh, seven days later. Yeah. And, and with all of that said, you still have to temper your expectations a bit for him because as, as I said, Steve Sarkeesian bringing up the fact that there's going to be growing pains is an intentional thing. It's not him excusing the situation. It's him being real. And you and I talked about, we've talked about this all year, I feel like, you know, it, there's going to be growing pains regardless of which quarterback was going to be named the starter, but especially with Quinn Ewers. If he doesn't come out, 
you know, with a perfect stat line or, you know, maybe make some freshman type of mistakes that you typically see a lot of freshmen making, it doesn't mean that he sucks. It doesn't mean that he's a bust. It doesn't mean he was overrated. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that he's young. And and as you you mentioned, I believe, um, I believe it was last week on the show, you know, Vince Young had growing pains and look at what happened to him. And so, you know, he, you're when you talk about Quinn Ewers, he is kind of an enigma. And honestly, let's be honest, next year, you know, with Arch Manning committed and you know, expected to sign in December, Texas is going to have two quarterbacks are the enigma type of players because they have been so highly touted and so unique in um, in what they were as a recruit and what they will ultimately bring to Texas, similar to how Vince Young was. I mean, these are these are both very unique type of guys, but they're kind of similar a little bit, Chip. It sounds like, you know, the, the demeanor of both Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers are pretty similar um, when you talk about just kind of, you know, they may be this big brand, big name that follows them, but really they don't care too much about that. It's all about playing football, you know, just hanging out with friends and doing things that kids, you know, typically like to do. But there's no doubt that the spotlight is going to be on on Quinn Ewers this year. And I I feel like just the way he has handled himself throughout the process and just kind of been that quiet guy still, I feel like he's primed to have that spotlight on him. And I don't think it's too big. And maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm making a hot take that I'm going to look back on in a few months and be like, my gosh, that was a terrible take Taylor. <laughs> you know, But <laughs> I do think that everything we've heard about him from his high school coach to his players or his teammates to Steve Sarkeesian, everything that you hear about Quinn Ewers is really the same. And it, it's all that he, he's just really just kind of down to earth and stuff. And I, I just feel like a guy like that may be more, um, it, it may be easier for him who's the spotlight's been on him for a while. It may be easier for him to transition with the spotlight being on him once he does take the field. And maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Am I crazy? No, we'll see. We'll see. You don't know what you have ever on a football team until you see it in adversity. Um, how, how he interacts with his teammates and look, Texas, you see it right there on the screen is a, a 38 point favorite to beat Louisiana Monroe who's coached by Terry Bowden. And the defensive coordinator is Vic Coning, who led West Virginia to the best defense in the big 12 in 2020. I mean, they, they got some coaches. I just don't know if they have enough players yet, but they do have eight starters back on offense. Uh, including their six of their top seven pass catchers. And a guy named Boogie Knight is their top receiver. Love that. I do too. <laughs> um, so Boogie Knight will at least test this Texas defense a little bit. Let's see how the Texas defense does. And it's look, Steve Sarkeesian gave us a checklist of things to look for. One of them is tighter pass coverage on the outside so that they can free up a safety to help stop the run. Does anyone remember how bad Texas was at stopping the run last year? That is the number one priority checklist item for me. And everyone's going to talk about Quinn Ewers. Quarterbacks get all the attention, and rightfully so. It's his debut. We want to see what he looks like uh, after all the all the talk. But this, is, this whole season is going to come down to whether this Texas defense can stop the freaking run because they got run over 
by teams like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor last year. When they led by double digits in the third quarter of those games, they got mauled on the ground in the fourth quarter of those games. So, um, you know, Sarkeesian gave us a checklist. One reason he wants to play tighter coverage is to bring the safety down to help stop the run. The other is to help what has been a non-existent pass rush get to the opposing quarterback. So, uh, Taylor, some, you know, some little nuggets that, uh, and, and kicking field goal sounds like it's going to be an adventure, right? what do you think of Sarkeesian's response when he was asked about kicking field goals? I mean, it kind of, my initial takeaway, and he, he did say that this, you know, the, the kicking competition will continue into game week. But when, when we spoke with him on Monday during his, his game week press conference, I got the sense that Will Stone will be handling kickoffs and, uh, Bert Auburn will be handling field goals because that's kind of how he, he posed it. It was kind of like, right. Oh, you know, Will Stone, he he's good. He's uh, is consistent with uh, kickoffs and, you know, Bert Auburn's been better at kicking field goals. So it's kind of like, okay, so there's going to be three kicking specialists essentially with Isaac Pearson handling punting too. That, that was my take. What was yours? Yeah. I mean, Cameron Dicker, uh, should feel really good right now, but he he doesn't because he's not on an NFL roster, and he should be. He should be playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Dicker handled it all last year. This year we're going to have uh, Isaac Pearson punting, it sounds like. Uh, as you mentioned, Will Stone handling kickoffs. He must have really improved since that open practice we saw uh, back <laughs> a month ago, Taylor. Uh, good I don't heavens. mean to laugh. That's mean. I'm not trying to laugh at it, but there, in, there, in there was Auburn, a low issue there when we were watching it. Bert Auburn, the guy with the sideshow Bob hair, <laughs> like everyone wants him to be the kicker at Texas because like NIL deals should pour in for this kid, uh, with that hair. I mean, you can't <laughs> miss it when he takes his helmet off. It It's burnt orange. Yes. And it's enormous. So uh, this is going to be, it's going to be an adventure is what it's going to be kicking field goals. But Taylor, Steve Sarkeesian, we'll get to the projected depth chart here in a second. But he said he feels like this team is faster, closer, mm -hmm. um, and tougher than last year's team. And he feels like mentally it's a more confident team. Now, playing against your own offense and defense is a whole new it's a, it's a whole new world once you get on the field against opponents who are trying to to trick you and and keep secrets from you and surprise you so uh let's let's see how it all plays out but we know Steve Sarkeesian has put in a ton of extra time culture Wednesdays everything trying to build better bonds on this team, player to player, coach to player, coach to coach. So that when adversity strikes, this team will rally instead of scram, you know, scramble in in their own directions. Yeah. And, and Steve Sarkeesian was asked about, you know, his culture and he did say Monday that he feels it's the best that it's been. And Chip, if you go back to last off season with him, he his message when asked about the culture was more focused on culture is something that takes 
time to develop. It's not something that's overnight. It's not something that you just force down some, you know, players throats and they take it and run with it. It's something that you have to develop. And the, the talk about it, this whole off season has really shifted more into this is, this is developed a little bit more. And I, I think that's a positive stance. I, I don't think it's coach speak personally. Now we'll see, you know, when, when adversity strikes in a game, but I don't think this is some talking points that Steve Sarkeesian, you know, is telling Texas media relations to, or he's, you know, saying himself and then telling Texas media relations to pass along to the players to speak about when they do, you know, meet with the media. I, I think it's, I think it's real. And, and you'll see how strong that culture is, you know, come um, this Saturday and then into the season. But if there is a, a closeness, I feel like, among a team, among a coaching staff, with the players, with the coaches and stuff, that's that's a big deal because it matters more than just a win and loss. It matters because you care about the people next to you. You care about, you know, your coaches. You care more about the team instead of individual, you know, identities and things along those lines. And I feel like that's been pretty, pretty um, consistent in a lot of the messages that we have heard this off season. Um, you know, one thing I think that when just real quick, when you uh, talked about the things that Steve Sarkeesian um, feels like the team's different, being faster, tougher, um, more confident that the other thing he did say that he feels confident that this team can do well is create expo explosive plays on both sides of the ball. And he even said on special teams, um, whether it was blocking punts or in the kicking game or big returns and things like that. So that's something you want you want to see that come game time. But when you talk about the explosive plays, you know, getting turnovers and stuff on defense, you better pray if you're a Texas fan that does come to fruition this season because turnovers were not, you know, easy to come by last year for a lot of this. And so that's something, you know, the fact that he's saying that not just on the offensive side, I think nobody has any question that Texas can create explosive plays on the offensive side. When you look at the skill talent that they have, you know, the, Xavier Worthy's, Jordan Whittington's, uh, B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson, all of that, even with a, a redshirt freshman quarterback, you expect explosive plays. But the fact that he did say that he feels comfortable or confident that those explosive plays can also come on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's probably a crucial takeaway from his game week press conference. That may not be that may not be something that has been talked about enough um, leading into this game week. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh... I think Quinn Ewers, when we talk about Quinn Ewers, his deep ball, I mean, that's everything we've heard from Riley Dodge, the head coach at South Lake Carroll, to teammates is this kid is special at, at feathering a deep ball and having it land right where it needs to in the bread basket of his receiver. And that's exciting because Louisiana Monroe uh, was 125th in the nation in pass defense last year, and they just lost their best cornerback, Josh Newton, to TCU. I mean, they lost him after last season. Uh, the big programs, as Terry Bowden said in our flagship podcast interview, the big programs come and take the best players from the Sun Belt. Uh, and, and he said, you know, that's just part of life. We have to, we have to keep recruiting, keep recruiting, keep recruiting. So there's, there should be opportunity for some of those explosive plays you were just talking about on offense. And then they love Keelan Robinson. They love Roshan Johnson. 
on special teams. Uh, Keelan Robinson is, is, I mean, he's the assassin that they, they try to get lined up in a way that he can block kicks. He did right. it last year. Uh, he's the guy this year. And then, you know, we'll see what they do in the return game. It's been Xavier worthy on punts, but Keelan Robinson is a guy. I think they want to get more uh, opportunities for because he is such a, a grinder and, and a guy who does everything right. So I think this will be, this will be fun to watch. And that sort of leads us into the, the projected depth chart, Taylor. Everyone wants to know how many freshmen are going to start on the offensive line. Uh, it's going to be two. Uh, you got Kelvin Banks at left tackle and you got Cole Hudson at right guard. And both of these guys are coming off injuries uh, suffered in the scrimmages. But from what I'm hearing, they're going to get the start. They're going to be out there, whether they're on a limited snap count and they bring in other guys. Obviously, Texas is hoping as a 38 point favorite that they can put some distance between themselves and the Warhawks and get all these guys playing time in this game because it gets a whole lot harder after this game. So uh, that's, it's exciting and terrifying. It's exciting that you've got a guy like Kelvin Banks, who everybody says is mature beyond his years, mentally, physically, he gets it. His technique is, is more mature than you'd expect. And, and Cole Hudson, who was an early enrollee went through spring um, is a guy who has that smart, nasty, demeanor and my god christian jones was going on and on about cole hut that's my guy i tell him i love him every day (laughs) and i do and i'm like wow you guys only known each other for a few months but um you know two freshmen starting on the offensive line taylor what do you think about that i think that's not an ideal situation for any um, offense or offensive line coach in college football, but it's what Texas has. And, and when Steve Sarkeesian going back to the growing pains, when he's talked about growing pains, he didn't just say it from the quarterback position. He said it as a team. And I think you'll see probably a lot of those growing pains on the offensive line. Now, Chip, we've talked about this ever since Texas, I feel like ever since they signed the offensive line class in the 2022 recruiting cycle, which is one of the best O-line overhauls, I think, in in you know recent recruiting history, not just for Texas, but um, you know we've kind of tried to hammer home the fact that these guys they're very talented, they have a lot of upside, but if you go into the season, especially with like a guy like Calvin Banks having more than likely, we did not get an official depth chart, so projected to start at left tackle, and then you also have Cole Hudson projected to start on the offensive line too. You can't expect them to be day one All-Americans. And if they are, my gosh, then they are a special caliber of player. But it doesn't... Unicorn. I, exactly. I mean, seriously, they they would be absolutely a unicorn if that if that did come to fruition as true freshmen um, starting, you know, especially with Kelvin Banks not going through spring ball. Cole Hudson at least did go through spring ball, but still, you know, um, very, very green there. And I I think you have to have the same type of expectations that you have with Quinn Ewers, where if there's bad plays, the growing pains, if they start showing up in the offensive line at those, at those guys, you know, roles, then it doesn't mean they're a bust. It doesn't mean anything. It means that they're in a position that I think 
You talk to any O-line coach in college football, if you talk to them without a camera or a microphone in front of their face, I think if you said, ideally, would you want to start two true freshman offensive linemen? The answer would probably be bleep no. Like, I mean, it, it's oh, just bleep no. Yeah, I mean, it's a different, it takes that and quarterback are the positions that you want, you hope to redshirt if you possibly can. Um, you not, you know, Texas is not in a situation to have that luxury. However, this is where they're at. And again, I think you have to, we have to keep hammering home, probably also for like our, our members over at Horns 24-7, their sanity's sake. I hope they hear this. And I know they probably won't, but I'm going to, I'm going to repeat it until I'm blue in the face. If there's struggles, it doesn't mean these guys suck. It doesn't mean that they're bust. It doesn't mean anything. It means that they're young and they're in a position that a lot of times um, true freshmen don't expect to be in, nor, you know, do coaches expect or want them to be in. So there's the youth movement will be definitely on display um, come Saturday when Texas takes the field against Louisiana Monroe. And I really just, I think for the, the sake of, you know, fans um, just, their own personal like health, <laughs> mental health, just just keep a, a little bit of a lower expectation when it comes from some of these young guys and hope that they exceed that expectation because there will be growing pains and it's not just at quarterback chip. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you trying to be the surgeon general here for Texas Longhorns fans and their mental health. Yeah. You and I both I mean, know. I, we have to moderate a message board, so that That's might right. be why, but. <laughs> okay. We get we get the most fanatic uh, of the fans. Fan is short for fanatic, and uh, and and so we we do we do we are concerned about your mental health, and yes. and so listen to Taylor, will you? For crying out loud, <laughs> uh, because good days are coming. Good days are coming uh, with Calvin Banks, Cole Hudson, Quinn Ewers. Um. But let's get on to some of the other nuggets in the depth chart, Taylor, because you know I am the president of the Jalen Gilbo fan club. Mm -hmm. And I'm just telling you, Texas fans, number 13 in your program, number one in your heart, Jalen Gilbo. In talking to the players, Taylor, you were there. I was asking them all about Jalen. They're all, oh, my God, Jay mm -hmm. Jizzle. That guy, uh, man, he's all business. He came in ready to work. He's got it down. He makes plays. And my man, Jade Barron, got a little nicked up in one of those scrimmages, and Jalen Gilbo stepped right in and was like, wow. So let's see. You're going to have number 23, Jade Barron, number 13, Jalen Gilbo at that critical star nickel position in P. Kwiatkowski's defense. And don't be surprised if you see number 13 out there a lot. And this kid can play corner too. And, and I think he is, I think he may be the number three corner on this football team right now. So yeah. I can't, can't wait to see this kid. For sure. And, and it kind of goes back to what Josh Thompson was talking about when we had him on the flagship podcast earlier in the year, when, you know, asking him some guys that have stood out he that was the first one that he mentioned it was like you know I've, i'm telling J deshaun jameson this is in winter conditioning too mind you it's like he yeah, was telling winter deshaun conditioning jameson, yeah telling deshaun jameson like you got to get it together because like this guy may come and take your spot and he was on pace honestly 
to do that. And then he had, you know, the the suspension that's been all cleared. So he's been back. But still, I think that kind of held him back a little bit from securing that that number one or at least battling, you know, toe to toe and continuing to battle with it for that number one um, corner spot on the opposite side of uh, Ryan Watts with a fifth year senior in Deshaun Jameson. I mean, if that doesn't tell you what this kid's upside could be, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you know, well, stepping in, go ahead. Yeah. And then Deshaun Jameson got the message. Yeah. And, and, and he and, answered huge. And he, right. He ended up having the best fall camp of anyone in terms of interceptions, plays made. I think he had two pick sixes mm-hmm. at least and, and may finally be back. You know, we thought Deshaun Jameson was on a trajectory to be an all conference type player. And then last year he was biting on double double moves and teams were just working him and it, it seemed like he took a step back. And so if, if you get the Deshaun Jameson, who was on that trajectory of being an all conference type player, and you get Jalen Gilbo as a playmaking star nickel, um, then this secondary has a chance to be a lot better. And I think you've got guys at the safety position in Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson who understand what happened last year in terms of the last line of defense at times didn't care much about being the last line of defense and whatever needed to get changed out, uh, whether it's attitudes on the current players or players who were here last year who aren't here, I think they get it. But we all know it's one thing to to play like Texas did early last season. Obviously, they looked really good against Louisiana. Don't forget that. And then they got housed. They got ambushed by Arkansas. Um, but then they, you know, just demolished Rice and Texas Tech and, and looked like they were on their way to demolishing Oklahoma uh, before the second half of that football game. And that that put doubt in that locker room that they could not get rid of. And it, in fact, it compounded into a six-game losing streak. So I think these players in the secondary get it. We'll see. They're coming from other positions. Our man, Michael Griffin, the former Longhorn national champion and pro bowler with the Tennessee Titans can't, you know, he's like, are you kidding me? They don't have safeties in the program. They got to move guys from other positions to play safety. Like he was mad. You know, that's my position. (laughs) We got to have dogs there. We got to have safeties, guys who played safety the whole time. Yeah. Not, not guys moving around once they get to college. He's like, last year they were moving receivers to safety with Brendan Schooler. What what happened to the safety position at Texas? It used to be monstrous. Earl Thomas, Michael Griffin, they had dudes. Michael Huff. I mean, yeah. they gotta they gotta get it together. He took it more personally, I think. The the poor play and all of the this what you just described. I think he took it more personally than the players themselves did last season and that's that's a problem you know I mean um that's that's you're talking about a a legendary Texas defensive back and he was part of the the group that made Texas you know have a claim to the DBU title well that's that's gone like let's be honest like Texas has no no argument right now in calling themselves DBU like zero literally zero and they need to get that back you would hope that Blake Gideon being the safeties coach being, you know, playing alongside of some of those elite type of players would try to 
want to re-energize and reinstill that in there. I mean, I think, you know, he he has a ton to prove to Chip. You know, when you look at this season, he had he had a, a difficult task last year a little bit with just a lack of bodies, a lack of, you know, elite guys. The fact that they had to move Brendan Schooler from receiver to play safety and then start, you know, it wasn't just for depth. It was he was the starter and he hadn't played um, in the secondary since his freshman year, which was like four years prior to that. I mean, um, Blake Gideon has a ton to prove. And and like I don't think that excuse works this year because Steve Sarkeesian himself, even though Anthony Cook, you know, has moved to safety from um, initially being in a corner, playing nickel back a lot last year too. But Steve Sarkeesian pointed to the fact that he's played a lot of football and his football IQ, his football knowledge, kind of makes him feel a little bit better with the the safety position as a whole and helping to you know to be able to have tighter coverage to hope that the pass rush comes home more consistently than it did last year. I mean, I feel like Blake Gideon has no excuses this year, especially when Steve Sarkeesian is sitting there saying, yeah, Anthony Cook moved positions, but he's played enough football. And so it, he's not looking at it as at it as an excuse. It's like, Gideon, my man, let's uh, let's get these guys back to the standard of DBU. And, and he's he's got to do it, I think, Chip. And maybe, maybe that's putting too much pressure on him, but I feel like of all of the coaches, I mean, people want to talk about Pete Kwiatkowski. I feel like of all of the coaches that have the most to prove, it might be him. Yeah, certainly the the tying together of the front and the back of the defense has got to be better than it was last year. This this looked like a defense that was on completely separate pages. And Steve Sarkeesian said, look, you want to know what my culture's all about? It's 100 guys coming out and playing as one. And he said, Hopefully you're going to see that Saturday. And, and if that's the case and these guys really are picking each other up when adversity strikes, instead of pointing fingers or pouting or taking their ball and going home, then it's going to be a better year period. It, because some of those games, Texas lost, you're like, they had to work hard to lose them. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, once that doubt came into the locker room and they're going up to West Virginia and losing and losing at home to Kansas. I mean, anyway, just think about that. Think about the bar uh, that, 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 that that team set. It's like a broomstick on the floor, Taylor. I mean, <laughs> it's like the limbo can, bar that you can never get under unless you're like a, an ant essentially. <laughs> I mean, just walk over that bar because that's all it's going to take to elevate from what we saw it, you know, in the final six of the last seven games last year. So you got a lot of guys back from that team, especially on defense. And that's where I want to see the most improvement. I think we're going to, you know, touch on this and love it or leave it. But I mean, I want to see a defense that absolutely swarms the football and, and if that's happening, then okay. All right. Year two, the kids are getting the message from Pete Kwiatkowski, whatever tweaks Gary Patterson helped him with. Great. Everybody gets the credit. Everybody, you know, go goes out and celebrates, but let's see it and let's see it consistently. Cause we did see good first half defense from Texas last year. Don't want to make it sound like they were clueless because they played some good first half defense last year. Um, and people forgot about it because by the end of the game, they'd given up 300 yards rushing, but the first half, you know, was heck it was even okay against Arkansas and they led at halftime against Iowa state. Um, 
but it's got to be consistent. Texas is not a four quarter program right now, and they got to become a four quarter program again on both sides of the ball. Last year, you had great special teams. You had an up and down offense that put up 35 points per game. That's that's pretty darn good. Uh, but a defense that gave up 31.1 points per game, that is that's inexcusable. 5.2 yards per carry given up last year was the second worst in school history. If you don't stop the run, you don't have a chance. So let's see what these guys got in uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, and I one thing I want to say too, Chip, and Steve Sarkeesian did talk about this a lot last year after some of those those second half losses was the time of possession differential also played a factor. I mean, you had when when things bogged down in the second half of games, you had an offense that couldn't stay on the field and a defense that couldn't get off the field. And when your offense is going three and out to an already tired and struggling defense, it's going to snowball into giving up 300 yards rushing. I mean, that, that's just a fact it's, it's science. I mean, my goodness, if you're like, you know, my, my father-in-law has always said the best defense is one that's not on the field. That's the best defense. Cause you, you don't allow the opportunity for the opponents to score, you know, unless there's a turnover by the offense and the defense scores. I mean that, and I know that sounds like a silly, stupid thing, but it's true. And if you know that to me also, I think Steve Sarkeesian also needs to kind of prove himself a little bit as an offensive play caller if there are situations where it's a close game and it seems like the defense is tiring itself out. I know Steve Sarkeesian loves the big play type of thing, calling those big play or those shots, you know, the deep balls and stuff like that. But he's got to dial that back a little bit. I mean, because if, if there come situations late in games similar to last year where he's trying to just like make a big play happen and not considering the fact that there's a massive time of possession differential until after the game, when he sees the stat sheet, that's setting your defense up for failure too. And I don't know if that was addressed enough or acknowledged, I think enough last year. And I think that that's something Steve Sarkeesian, if the, you hope that the defense doesn't come, doesn't come to that, but on the flip side, there's going to be situations where that may happen, you know, just with a, depending on the style of offense that Texas does play and everything. And so he's got to dial that back a little bit too, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he said last year that he tended to simplify things when things got tight, instead of continuing to be the, 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 you know, motions and complex offense that he prides himself in having in, and he's got to make sure that he's, he's not, uh, the reason that these guys become predictable uh, and defenses can sit on plays and and snuff them out because uh, we did see that last year. And you don't want to see Sarkeesian with that look where he's, you know, his eyebrows are going like this because that that's a bad look. We like the Steve Sarkeesian or Texas fans like the Steve Sarkeesian who's got a, you know, a confident look on his face, not – so let's let's see if he's learned that. And it's going to be even more challenging with a young quarterback who is still learning how to watch film of college defenses. Taylor, I asked him about it and mm -hmm. he said, yeah, there's no doubt it's different, like night and day different. He said in high school, they coordinators would run three, you know, three coverages. And it was kind of easy to see what what it was. He right. said, you know, defense. 
in college, they run a ton of stuff. They'll run man and zone on the same play quarters coverage. And he said, you know, the, the tip offs are way smaller, way more subtle. The, the rotation of a safety, the, the depth of a cornerback. And he's got to read all that within two and a half, three seconds. So um, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be wild and it'll all start Saturday night. You ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around because we have more football talk coming up. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Chip, before we get to love it or leave it, I just wanted to remind some of our listeners and our viewers over on the YouTube channel that we will have a post-game reaction show um, podcast and video coming out after every every game this season. Um, it'll either drop Saturday night or first thing Sunday morning, depend on depending on the time that the game does end. And uh, you know, if it's if it's a we don't get home until one a.m. and then start recording, it's probably going to come out first thing on uh, Sunday morning. But keep that in mind. Saturdays, late Saturdays, Sundays, there will be an additional episode of the flagship podcast recapping the game that we did watch. And then um, moving forward on, I guess I can kind of tease this on this upcoming Monday, we will have uh, one of our Alabama 24 seven beat reporters that will be joining the show to preview Alabama. That'll drop on Monday morning. And then as usual, our weekly commentary show will continue on Wednesday mornings throughout the football season. But with that said, you ready for some love it or leave it? Let's go. All right. My first one for you is love it or leave it. Texas covers the 38 point line against Louisiana Monroe on Saturday. Okay. I'm not about to say that a five and seven, a team coming off a five and seven season is going to cover a 38 point spread. <laughs> you know, they opened as a 39 point favorite and the line has come down to 38. I agree. I think Texas wins, but I don't think they win by 38 because of all the things we just talked about. 
a lot of uncertainty, a lot of newness. Let's let's just see if these uh, players can be more connected and and uh, and and be faster and tougher and closer. Uh, all those things that Steve Sarkeesian said. Taylor, how about you? So I'm leaving that. Yeah, I'm leaving that. I feel like that's a safe bet. I'm I'm also going to leave it and. If they do cover, that's a good sign. I'll say that. But just because of a lot of the the new, not even just the new faces. I mean, across the board, there's a ton of new new faces on the on the team, not just at quarterback or on the offensive line. Just, I mean, it's a very very Real young team. Yeah, everything. Those I are mean, points. Yeah, it, if you uh, go over to Horns twenty four seven when you have a chance and check out our projected depth chart. And if you really want to see a visual visualization of how young this team is, just look at the you know next to the names what what a uh, year in college they are because there's a lot of underclassmen there so with that said i think texas wins i think they win big um i i've got to see a lot of things i think before i'm going to sit there and say that texas is going to win by more than seven touchdowns or five touchdowns excuse me against an opponent so i'm going to agree i'm going to leave it but i still think texas wins big okay love it or leave it number two Second one is love it or leave it. Quinn Ewers will throw for three touchdowns with one interception in his Longhorns debut. Three touchdowns with one interception. You know what? I'll love this. I'll love this. He may even throw for more than three touchdowns and he'll probably throw one interception. Um, I was looking back at, because we've said on the flagship podcast, I've said Shane Bouchelle's 2016 freshman season where he played 12 games and threw for 21 touchdowns with 11 interceptions is probably a good measuring stick for yours. And I did go back and look, Taylor. Now he was playing against Notre Dame in his freshman debut a Notre Dame team that went four and eight. Remember? Okay. Okay. <laughs> he had two touchdowns and one interception. So I'm going to love this, Taylor. I think Quinn, yours will throw for three or more touchdowns with one interception in his Longhorns debut. What about you? So I was going to leave it because I was going to say that he will throw for more than three touchdowns. But if you're going to say three or more, I guess I'll love it too because that I was gonna say I think he I think he throws for more um okay. you know I I think in in I think one interception is probably potentially on the table as well because he does like kind of the deep balls his friend you know what I mean I mean he he likes he likes that and he he's gonna try to make every throw that he possibly can um so I I'll say I'm gonna I'll love it saying he's gonna throw for more than three touchdowns probably one interception now Depending on the weather, if for some reason it's raining or something like that, then yeah, there's that may a forty percent chance of rain on Tuesday. As of Tuesday, there's a forty percent chance of rain on Saturday night. Yes, so that could change the the way that I'm looking at this. But if it's dry and um, out there on Saturday night, then yeah, I think that he throws for actually more than three touchdowns. But since you love this saying three or more, I guess I should have worded it that way. Um, I'll I'll love it too saying that. I'm okay. going to say four or more Ooh. just to change Ooh. it. Yeah. That's a hot take right there. That's a hot, <laughs> hot take, take, folks. Uh, take the over on Quinn Ewers touchdown passes, says Taylor. 
All right, love it or leave it, number three. The final one is love it or leave it. The Texas defense will hold Louisiana Monroe below 100 yards rushing and win the turnover battle. Wow. Can you imagine that? I should have looked up nope. to see if Texas <laughs> I do, I can't. Never go ahead. held Louisiana last year. Let's look. Louisiana's a good football team, too. They had a bunch of dudes back. Um, Texas uh, held Baylor to 102 yards rushing. Wait, no, I'm sorry. That That's the, I think that's the Texas stats, actually. Yeah, Louisiana, they held to 76 yards rushing. Okay. My bad. I was looking at Texas team stats on offense last year. In that game, so. You know what? This is not like me to take a leap of faith. I'll learn my lesson if I'm wrong on this, Taylor. But, I mean, it's your season opener at home in front of 100,000. You're playing a team that went 4-8. and eight. They lost Willie Tyler, the former Longhorn, who was the best offensive lineman at ULM last year. Why? Because he got recruited by Rutgers. Of course, Terry Bowden told us on the flagship podcast, we are a farm system for the for the P5 programs. They come and take all our best players. So I'm going to love this. Oh, my gosh. Probably shake my head. But I will love this, Texas defense. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt with no Willie Tyler to, to fend off that Texas defense that the Longhorns can hold ULM to below 100 yards rushing and win the turnover battle. I'm going to love that. Taylor, you? Oh, man. I said I wasn't going to give benefit of the doubt on uh, defense, especially, you know, up front just after last year. I'm just still a little shell-shocked. Now, the other thing, if if it is raining, then I would – 100% 100% leave this just because I figured they'll probably try to run the ball. And I think more times than not, you know, in, in four quarters, you can probably find a way to rack up a little bit more than 100 yards rushing if that's the only go-to that you have. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it just since I, I don't want to go back my word. I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, give much benefit of the doubt. It's a show me, don't tell me type of thing. And so until I see it, I'm going to have to just Stick with my gun so it doesn't seem like I'm a wishy-washy when it comes to these things. So I'll I'll leave it. I I, I could see it happening, but I'll I'll just leave it so I don't it since I said that earlier. Remember how good Texas looked in that opener last year against Louisiana, a Louisiana team that was loaded under Billy Napier. Yeah. It was a it was a top 25 ranked team, and I think they finished the season ranked in the top 25, didn't yeah, they? Billy Napier got yeah. the Florida job. Like they did well enough for him to get the Florida job and Texas absolutely uh, looked impressive. They looked impressive through the first quarter or whenever Caleb Williams came into the OU game. Well, okay. The Arkansas game was a disaster. Never mind. Yeah, that was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> but they had more, they were in that four and one start. They had some impressive moments. Let's put it that way. Yes. I think so that's- now they got to etch a sketch all that negativity from that six game losing streak and come out and play like that and then keep building on it. Don't let that bar graph go down. 
It's yeah. too, there's been too much of this. It needs to just go tick, 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 like you're going up that roller coaster. Even if it's slow and just tick, 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 just keep it going up for crying out loud. That is the sign of a well-coached team, Taylor. We say it every week here on the flagship podcast. The sign of a well-coached team is week-to-week improvement. That's all we want to see. That's it. Yes. That's all we're asking. Yeah. All right. I don't know if we'll see much week-to-week improvement from week one to week two, though, with Alabama coming to Austin. But conference play, week-to-week improvement. That's the expectation. It's not a lot to ask Big 12 wide open this year. Let's see it. Good point. I mean, there's talk that this could be the best Alabama team Nick Saban's ever had. He may have two Heisman winners on this team. With Bryce Young, who already has the Heisman, and Will Anderson on the other side of the ball. And don't Come on. About- you think that Heisman voters are going to vote a defensive player? They hear that and they're like, blasphemy. <laughs> Defense. Always quarterbacks. Best you know quarterback what, on the best team. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> he should. He should. I mean, he's, he's a beast. He's got momentum because he went to – he was a finalist last year. Yeah. He's got a I, chance. I hope. I mean, I hope that – if it's not B. John Robinson, I, I hope it's Will Anderson. I mean, I would just – I would just love to see a change in the, I'll say the tide, but you just don't want all of his Heisman highlights to come from September 10th. No, no, absolutely. You don't want him up there in New York with, with Fowler and Oh, Herb street won't be there this year. Cause he's working for Amazon. Now you don't want, you know, up, you don't want Will Anderson up there with Fowler and Desmond Howard or whatever. And all of his Heisman highlights are him you know, turning Quinn Ewers into a bobblehead. We don't want that if you're a Texas fan. Okay, enough about that. We'll have plenty of Alabama talk on next week's flagship podcast. And as Taylor said, make sure you're paying attention Monday morning because we are expecting to talk to Travis Ryer of Bama Online. We'll have you all primed and ready for Texas and Alabama September 10th in Austin. At 11 a.m., kegs and eggs. But for now, it's the ULM Warhawks and the Longhorns at DKR, 7 o'clock Saturday night. We will be back to talk all about it, folks. Uh, Thanks for listening today. And for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com, where we just uh, put out a story that Texas is adding beach volleyball as its 21st intercollegiate sport starting in the spring of 2023. So go check that out and all of the football content. My goodness, you'll be, you'll be just loving it. You have all kinds of, uh, you know, reading before bedtime, reading when you wake up, reading at work, reading after work, reading when you're supposed to be helping your kids. It's fantastic what we do for you. All right. Uh, for Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Until next time. Stay safe and keep the faith. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.